Have you ever wondered what is wrong with the world? Because you read, you know, when you read the newspapers, you're shocked uh, because children murdering their parents, fathers molesting their own daughters, the kind of messages that you read in the newspapers, then you sit and wonder what is wrong with the world. We ask these questions. And we also ask this question, what is wrong with my life? What's wrong? What's gone wrong with my life? Why is my life like this? So these are the questions we all have. You know, the Bible, though consisting of 66 books, it is though we say it's one book, it is 66 books, it has only one story. That's the beauty of this book. This book is only one story, and it all, the story is what? It says, what's gone wrong with the world, and what will put it right? What's gone wrong with the world, who will make it right? That's the, that's the story. If you have to sum up in one sentence, that's it. What has gone wrong with the world and what will make it right? And it is a very important question that we need to ask. You know, we, we each one of us, we have to ask this important question, what's wrong with the world and what's wrong with my life? You know, there is something so wrong with us if you are sincere with yourself, you will say that there's something wrong. You know, I'm, you know, my impulse is towards selfishness and greed. My heart, you know, it moves towards anger and violence. You know, my heart moves towards corruption and injustice. It is there. All over the world you can say that, you know, there is corruption in individual lives, there's corruption in the government, you know, any government for that matter. It's only a degree of you get to know there's more, this is less, that's all, but corruption is there everywhere. And also what is there that's unforgiveness in my heart? You know, I would rather take revenge. What's wrong? What's wrong with my heart? And Genesis chapter 3 explains what went wrong with the world. That's what we have in Genesis chapter 3. Shall we all rise to our feet and read the scripture taken from the book of Genesis chapter 3, 1 to 7. Genesis chapter 3, 1 to 7. Now the serpent was more cunning than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree 
that's in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that on the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and that it was lust to the eyes and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. This is God's word. Kindly be seated. You know, this passage describes how sin came into the world and how God's perfect creation was spoiled. Because still you read in chapter 2, God said it was good, 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 good. It was very good. And all of a sudden, what has happened? Sin has entered the world. And this is what we call it in theological term as fall of mankind. You know, that's you get to hear and you would have heard from me, broken world. What is broken world? This is what's broken world. You know, this passage explains why our doors have locks on them. I'm sure if you have left your house, you would have locked your house and come. So why doors have locks on them? Why we have hospitals? Why we have police stations? Why we have nightmares? Why we cry? Why we get angry? Why we hate? Why we are sad? Why we go to the funerals? Why we are ashamed? Why we lie? Why we are anxious? Why we are gripped by fear? And why we hide? The answer is in the passage that we read. So let us meditate on this passage under three headings. The first one is the snake. The second one is the tree. The third one is the sin. The snake, the tree, the sin. Let us look at each of those headings one by one. The snake. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? You know, in the Bible, the snake has all, all often been taken as a symbol of the devil. So we don't have to break our head. In Revelation chapter 22, 20, verse 2, it says, He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil, or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. We don't have to break our head. You know, who is this? snake. 
you know, we have to be very careful what the Bible says. Now imagine, the snake does not appear as devil to the woman. It does not appear. You know, he doesn't come, come with two horns and all that. Satan is wearing a mask. Now, Satan is coming in the form of a snake. And Adam and Eve are familiar with the snake. They're in the garden. All the wild animals are there. So snake always comes in the ordinariness and everydayness of life. Very ordinary, very ordinary things. You don't even, you may not even think it is, it's bad. It is so ordinary. So the devil always tempts us in such ordinary way. That's what the scripture says. Now, instead of understanding that, if you start asking, who is Satan? And where did he come from? And what is wrong with him? And how did he get that way? How can the snake talk? If these are your questions, I'm sad, God doesn't give you the answers. When God doesn't give you the answers, wisdom is not to speculate on it. Now you need to realize, if you, when you read the Bible, in the first chapter, Genesis 1, in the beginning, God. Now if you sit and ask, how did God come into being? No, you will not get answers. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis chapter 1. All of a sudden, what you get to read is God. You accept that fact. In Genesis chapter 3, all of a sudden what you get is now the serpent. We are not here to find out from where the serpent came, you know, how it became evil, from where evil originated. That is not our task and we will never get the answer. Now this text is all about us. It is not about, that's not even about the snake. I said, what is wrong with my life? And this text is all about us. You know, it answers the question, what's wrong with the world? What's wrong with my life? This passage answers those two questions. Now the serpent's question, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? You know, what's Satan trying to say? You know, as God so mean, your God is so generous, your God is so good, you know, has he stopped you from eating from any tree in the garden? What is Satan doing? Satan is basically trying to doubt, to, is trying to make Eve doubt about God's goodness. You know, he is not talking about, you know, whether God is holy. God's goodness is very important. If you want to obey the law of God, you need to understand the goodness of God. If you don't understand the goodness of God, if you understand the holiness of God, you know, you, it'll not help you in obeying the law of God. We need to understand God is good. 
and he cares for us. This is the basic statement. God is good and he cares for us. Because God is good, he cares for us. This gives you the motivation to listen to God and to obey God. It's very important for us. And Eve replies, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. Did God say you must not touch it? God never said you must not touch it. Now Eve is adding, adding to God's word. Now what is bad about adding? I want to be more careful. You know, have you seen sometimes the mothers give extra instructions? This, 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 this. It's a human tendency. And that's what Eve has done. You know, if you think about yourself, how many instructions you give your children, you know, instead of two, you give 20. Don't do, don't do, don't do, don't do, don't do. Like that. You know, now God said, don't eat. The woman said, you must not touch it. When you, when we add words to God's word, it is dangerous. Why it is dangerous? If the de all that the devil has to do, come, 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 please come, touch this tree. Did you die? No. You didn't die. See, we are not supposed to add. God never said don't die, don't uh, touch. God said if you want to climb the tree, you climb the tree. If you want to build a hut and live in the tree, you live. God only said don't eat the fruit of that tree. That is why it's important for us to understand the word of God rightly. People try to add, but we are not supposed to add. Why you are not supposed to add? When you add, this is what happens. You know, that's why in Deuteronomy 4.2 you have, do not add to what I command you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. So in verse 4 we find, you will not certainly die. Genesis 3, 4. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that on the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You know, Satan is not trying to disprove the existence of God. Have you noticed in this passage, God doesn't exist. Why exist? Why do you care? He's not trying to prove that. He's not even trying to talk about the holiness of God. He's only talking about the goodness of God. That's what he's trying to do. Satan always denies the goodness of God. Satan always denies the goodness of God. You know, when we are faced with suffering and disappointment, when lakhs of people die of tsunami, when lakhs of people die of famine in African countries, if you read, and when lakhs of people died due to COVID, you know, when you fail in an exam, when you lose your job, 
you know, when you are not able to get through your competitive exam, and when you see bad things happening to good people, and when you see wicked people flourishing, then we ask this question, why? Why? Why has God forsaken me? That's the question we ask. Why there is so much of evil in the world? These questions, they pose greatest threat to our belief in God. If we want to be strong in God, if our faith has to be strong, if we start asking why, it'll shake our faith. We need to believe in the goodness of God. Now, that's, the, that's what the snake is trying to do. In other words, that's what the devil is trying to do. Somehow make this person doubt in the goodness of God. Right now, you must be in a situation very difficult. Very di I'm not saying it's easy. It's a difficult situation. The thoughts that come to your mind will be the goodness of God. If God is so good, if God is so powerful, you know, if God is a healer, you know, why? Why can't he heal me? You know, that's, that's the doubt that Satan also tried to put it in the mind of Eve. Remember, the snake does not feature in this story as the cause of human failure. When we do something wrong, let's not blame Satan, because snake does not feature in the story as the cause of human failure. Though this woman heard a sound from outside, it's not from inside, from outside, it only shows there is evil outside in the world. You know, there is evil in the outside, though if we think there is no evil in the world, we are just very naive, ignorant people. There's evil in the world. There are evil powers in the world. That's all the story says. But for the fall, the snake is not responsible. For the fall, the human being is responsible. Let it be very clear. For the sin that we commit, Satan is not responsible. Even in this story, snake does not feature as the cause of human failure. It is we. So now let's look at the tree. I hope now you are clear about the snake. Now let's go to the tree. You know, we know stealing could be bad. We know killing could be bad. We know adultery is bad. But we don't know what's bad about eating from the tree. After all, it's a fruit. What's so bad about when I can eat all the fruits from all other trees if I can eat? What's something so special about this, the tree that's in the middle of the garden? What's the, what's the problem with this tree? You know, it is paradise. It's paradise. God says this is paradise. You can do anything you want. You can eat anything you want except this one tree. No restriction. No restriction at all. Except for this small restriction, 
you cannot eat from this one tree. You can eat from thousands of trees, but not from this one tree. What if God had actually given an explanation to Adam and Eve? What if Adam and Eve, you know, just imagine Adam and Eve are standing in front of the tree and they're asking God, God, you have asked us to eat from all the other trees. Why we should not eat from this tree? And imagine God, God replying, see, if you eat from this tree, there will be infinite suffering and misery and death for the rest of human history. If God has told them, their response would have been, okay, God, we will not eat from this tree. Let's not eat from this tree because if we eat from this tree, there's going to be infinite suffering and misery for our future generation. They are going to suffer, so we will not eat from it, this tree. Now, what is important in this passage is, this is the crucial part we need to understand why God did not give them an explanation. Why God did not say that the day you eat, the rest of the human history is doomed to destruction. Why God did not do this? You know, it's when, when we obey God, after this explanation, it is not obedience. You know, if you are in the management, I hope you have heard the word cost-benefit analysis. Have you heard? Your workplace, cost-benefit. You know, if I obey, if I disobey, you know, I'm going to suffer huge loss. Now, so we work, and then we don't do it. That's known as cost-benefit analysis. Now, if Adam and Eve, if they were given an explanation, and if they didn't eat from the tree, it's not because they wanted to obey God, because of the cost-benefit. If we eat from this tree, then there's so much of damage that'll happen in the future. There's no obedience. Quite often, we also obey God because if I do this, God will give me this. It is selfish interest. We are still in the driver's seat. God is not asking for that kind of obedience. God is asking, come what may you obey. Whether you are going to be benefited or whether there's going to be loss, that is obedience. That is what God expects from us. That's what God expected from Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve failed in that aspect. That's what happened in this place. You know, I don't jump from that terrace top. You know why I will not jump? I know what's going to happen. That's not obedience. Obedience is, you know, you, you tell your children, don't put your finger in the fire. First time they'll put, second time they won't do it. They're not obeying you. They are not obeying you. If they have done it on the f in the first place, that is obedience. The second time why they're obeying, you know, they've already, have you seen children putting their fingers inside that socket? And once they get a shock, next time they'll not put. They're not obeying. Because it's consequence. 
See, our obedience is, do we obey God because of consequences or do we obey God because he is God? That's what this passage is teaching us. That's what the tree is teaching us. It's not about there is something special in the tree, uh, in the tree and if you eat the fruit of the tree, it is a some peculiar kind of fruit. No, not at all. It could have been ordinary apple tree. We don't know. It could have been ordinary apple tree. Nothing great in that fruit. God wants to see whether you'll obey me because I'm God. What God was saying to Adam and Eve is, my dear children, I am God and your life is a gift to you. And this world is a gift to you. I want you to live as if I am God and you are living by my power. And I want you to take care of this world as a gift and not exploit it the way you want. It is a gift to you. Your body is a gift to you. You cannot do with your body the way you want to use it, the way you feel it. You know, that's what God is telling us. And that's where we obey God. It is a gift. Our very life is a gift from God. We will always have this temptation. If this God is so good, you know, if I just take a little bit, what will happen? Nothing will happen. If I eat this little fruit, what will happen? You know, if this God is so generous, you know, don't you entertain those thoughts? If God is so forgiving, one time, let me just do this. He's so forgiving. You know, I can keep going to him, he can forgive. Even before I die, if I ask for forgiveness, he'll forgive. But the thoughts that come to your mind is, if God is so loving, so forgiving, let me do this little bit. Just once, let me do it. That's the kind of temptations that we get in our mind. And that's what the temptation must have come to Eve also. In the Lord's Prayer, what we have is, lead me not into temptation. Lead me not into temptation. The Bible never says, lead me out of temptation. The Bible never says, you know, the Bible never says, you try this little bit, but God will help you to come out of it. No, 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 no. God knows when you go near the tree, when you see the fruit, it will be so good, so delightful, and you're going to eat. So wisdom is always not going near the tree. Wisdom is always not looking at those fruits. That's wisdom. And that's the wisdom you young people need to have. Not that I'll go to that party and I will make, I will not do what others do. That's not wisdom. Wisdom is not going at all. Unless you're compelled to go, I don't know. Wisdom is always not allowing yourself or placing yourself in situations where you are likely to be tempted. That's wisdom. 
that's the lesson we learn here. That's the lesson we learn from the tree. Be careful. Don't ever go to your place and then cry out to God, lead me out of temptation. Let your morning prayer be, lead me not into temptation. Lord, don't take me to that place. Not after going, I am very strong. After all, I am a child of God. God doesn't approve that kind of a behavior. God knows we are human beings and that's what we learn from the tree. Remember, temptations always begin with very small things. Just a bite from this fruit. Just a small bite from this fruit. That's how temptation begins in our lives. And it is that small bite which has led the world. We are in this state because of that, that one small bite from the fruit. So it is little bit. Let me just see this thing a little bit, just two minutes. Just one more minute. Just one more minute. And that's how people get addicted also. So it is that small bites which leads us to our downfall. We need to be very careful with our lives. You know, in our lives too, we have areas where we say, God, you take control of my life, okay? We are so generous people, we give God control in big areas, okay? God, you take control of my job, you take control of my family, you take control of my ministry, all that. But each one of us have the small areas in our life that we will not like God to interfere in those small areas. And that is what is very crucial. It could be your habit, it could be your desire for money, your positions, your career, ambition to succeed. You know, these small, small areas where we will not give God that complete control. And these are the areas which are very crucial for our spiritual growth. 99% we have our Lord God. Have your way, have your way, have your way, Lord, have your way, Lord, in my life. But that 1%, oh God, let me have it myself. I don't want you to tell me what you have to do. Surrender is 100%, not 99%. And it is that one percent which blocks our entire spiritual growth. It is that one bite, that small bite, you know, which has led to the downfall. In Christian life, if you want to grow, you know, it is about giving God everything, all of my time, all of my treasures, all of my talents. Have I given completely? Ask yourself and you will get the answer. Sometimes we have convinced ourselves we have given completely. Unless the Spirit of God convicts us, we will not even know. I said we are all we were all born blind last last time I said. Because we are blind, we cannot see the darkness in our own lives. We need to ask God, let your light shine more and more into my life. And those small areas, when we start exposing to God's light, and that's where we grow in our spiritual life. Remember, there is no heaven with a little of hell in it. There is no 
heaven with a little of hell in it. You cannot have a joyful life with a little of sin in it, with a little of darkness in it, with a little of selfishness in it, with a little of unforgiveness in it, with a little of laziness in it. You cannot have heaven. We have to be ruthless in exposing our sins, our selfishness. We have to be like that. That's where we find the joy of the Lord. You know, the, the serpent's only temptation was that she should doubt God's word. That's all. What did God say? What did God say? That's all the temptation. What did God say? What's God telling about your life? God says, you are my, you know, you are my child. Doubt it. If you are God's child, why your life is in such a mess? That's what happens. You know, we have seen the snake. We have seen the tree. Now we'll see the sin. Genesis 3 says, 6 says, And the woman saw that the tree was good for eating, and it was lust to the eyes, and the tree was lovely to look at, and she took off its fruit, and ate, and she also gave to her man, and he ate. Uh, in many of the English translations, mostly, almost all translations, you don't find the word lust to the eyes, but that's the typical Hebrew word that is lust to the eyes. That means the desire, strong desire, the intense desire. You know, I saw it, I must have it. It is, that's what's known as the lust to the eyes. Now, this verse finds a parallel in the New Testament. Any idea? Anyone? This very same verse has a parallel in the New Testament. Any idea? Yeah, Pastor, you're right. First John chapter 2, verse 16, it says, uh, I'm reading it from the message version, practically, Everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. You, this is sin. It is as simple as what we have seen in Genesis chapter 3, 6. You know, if you wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important. Now, Let's go back to Genesis uh, chapter 3, uh, verse 6. And it says, um, you know, and the woman saw that the tree was good for eating and that it was lust to the eyes and the tree was lovely to look at and she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave to her man and he ate. You can see all the verbs in this verse. Uh, basically, what you see that the woman saw that the tree was good. If you have been reading Genesis 1 and 2 carefully, till now, it is God saw it was good. God, God was the subject. God saw it was good. God saw it was very good. Now, the woman saw that the tree was good. What's happening here? She has displaced God from her life and now she has taken the place of God. She's playing God. 
Now, what God is supposed to tell, she is telling. The fruit, the tree was good for eating. She saw, not God. You know, you when you take control over your life, not allowing God to be God over your life, this is what happens. The woman saw that the tree was good for eating. And, you know, I always believe that none of us commit sin individually. Though we might be doing sin, you know, in a lonely place, in a corner, in a dark room, whatever it might be, our sin always affects others. Remember, you never sin alone. Never. It has got some effect on somebody or something. Either it affects some persons or it affects the created order. Sin is never that you cannot say, it is only my life, uh, why do you bother? You know, I'll commit sin. No, no, no. When you commit sin, you are, in fact, you are affecting somebody else. It affects. You cannot control that. And that's the same thing she ha it happens. She saw and she gave to her man and he ate. That's what happens with sin. Sin is serious. It's very serious. So we need to be careful about this. What is sin? Sin is basically separation from God. That when we doubt God's goodness, that is sin. That's what happens here. And that's what they doubted God's goodness. God told them, you can eat from this 999 trees, but not from this one tree. And they doubted God's goodness. They thought, you know, if he's such a good God, why will he ask us not to eat from this one tree? They didn't think 999 trees are good. This morning I said, 99% of the body is functioning well, but 1% is not functioning well. Goodness of God is 99% is functioning well. You know, that's the goodness of God when we start doubting God's goodness. If you, if you have been reading carefully, the last verse in G Genesis chapter 2, in verse 25 it says, they were naked and unashamed. That's what you find in Genesis 2.25 when it ends. Both were naked and they were unashamed. And in verse 7, you find that, you know, they were naked and they were, uh, you know, and they felt shamed. That's what you find in verse 7 in this chapter. What happened? The moment they committed sin, there was shame. There was guilt. There was anxiety. There was blame shifting. And you go to chapter 4, what do you have? What do you have in chapter 4? Murder. Till Genesis 2, everything is good. When you come to Genesis chapter 3 and 4, you find the fall, you find murder, you find anxiety. Now you know what's wrong with us, what is wrong in my life, you know, why I cry, why I get angry, you know, why I want to hit somebody, why I want to take revenge. You know, it's all because what happened now, which leads progressively. And by chapter 4, you read the story of account of murder. You know, Cain murdering 
able. And it all happened because they trusted in the, they failed to trust in the goodness of God. Now, this is very important. Please listen to this carefully. Now, how did Jesus Christ deal with the tree? Because we have seen this tree and we have seen how, what has happened. Now, how did Jesus Christ deal with the tree? In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is struggling. You know, he's struggling, you know, because there's a command about a tree. And we know about the cross. And God told Jesus, he has to go to the cross and pay penalty for our sins. So now Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he is faced with this tree, and there is a struggle. Now think about Adam and Eve. They were so comfortable in that garden, and all that God said, obey me about this one tree, and you will live. Just one tree, you obey me about this one tree, and you will live. Now, Jesus Christ was in a dark garden. You know, if you, if you visit Jerusalem, Gethsemane Temple, if you go and see the church in Gethsemane, they, even the architecture, they made it dark uh, compared to the all other uh, churches, if you see that. It was a dark night in Gethsemane. And God told Jesus Christ, Jesus, if you obey me, you will be crushed. For Adam and Eve, God told, if you obey me about the tree, you will live. And for Jesus, God told, if you obey me about the tree, you will be crushed. You will go to the cross. Your obedience will take you to the cross. And Jesus obeyed God. Can you see the tree, the cross? What do you see the what do you see in that cross? You see the tree of life, the tree of life in the Garden of Gethsemane, where you know, in the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve disobeyed. That is the tree that you see here. Jesus being crucified on the cross. What happens? Jesus climbed the tree of death and turned that tree of death, the cross, into a tree of life for you and me. Amen? This is what you find. This is what Jesus did for you and me. Can you see the reversal? Adam and Eve, they failed to obey. And Jesus obeyed. Adam and Eve, they failed to obey, though they were so comfortable and they had so much of freedom, they could eat from all the trees except that one tree, and they failed. Here comes the Son of Man, the Son of God, and he has only one choice, to go to that tree, and what will happen to him? He'll be crushed, and he obeyed it. That's what Jesus Christ did for you and me. Now, what is the tree sin? You know, what is the tree sin? What happened in the Garden of 
Eden. What happened? In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, they put themselves in the place of God. When we put ourselves in the place of God, and when we take control of things, you know, as though we are God, that is sin. That's what happens. Whenever we put ourselves in the place of God, I know the answer for all the life's problems. I know that clearly shows you're playing God now. I will solve this. How can you solve? You're a created being. There's a sovereign God. You know, when youths think, I will do like this. You know, that's why we always say, if you don't know the meaning of fasting, I will fast and get it. You know what you're trying to do? You're trying to say, I know how to make this God give me. You know, you're playing God. Fasting is about humbling ourselves. I yield myself to you. Have your way. Lord, If I want this. If, you'd, if, it, if you're pleased with me, you give. If you're not pleased, I cannot, I cannot command you. You're God. Your God. I have this sickness. Oh God, I know you can heal me. But Lord, have your way. Have your way. Have your way. You realize? We have the tendency to always play God. We have that. We have to be conscious of that and we should allow God to be God over our lives. We will have trials. We will have disappointments. We will have suffering. This is a broken world. We are not living in a, you know, unbroken world. We are living in a broken world. It doesn't mean, but you know, it, that God is not with us. It doesn't mean we doubt the goodness of God. We should always remember, God is good. And what is the tree salvation? You know, the tree salvation is God coming down and putting Himself where we deserve to be and taking it for us. Do you see this? Amen? What, where we are supposed to be, God comes and he takes our place. In the tree sin, we take God's place, and in the tree salvation, God takes our place. And that's how we have been saved. We see here, you know, Jesus Christ climbing a tree of death and turning the tree of death for him into a tree of life for you and me. When you look at the cross, we have a tree of life for you and me. And unless you keep looking at the cross and meditating what Jesus did for you and me, we will never be able to overcome those little areas in our heart. It could be selfishness, it could be lust, it could be greed, it could be anger, it could be pride. There are little, little areas in our heart and those toxins, those things of our human soul will be able to overcome only when we keep looking at the tree of salvation and seeing how much God, Jesus, gave up for ourselves. Our unforgiveness, our hatred, all this we'll be able to overcome only when we look at the tree of salvation. How much? How much? 
how much he gave up so that you and I could be saved. It is only by looking at the tree of salvation that we enjoy the tree of life. By looking at the tree of life, you know, we want it our way. But when we look at the tree of salvation, we say, God, you did so much in my life. Have your way. Have your way in my life. You want this, I'm ready to give. I'm ready to give 100% of my time, 100% of my treasures, 100% of my talents. I know we have not come to that place. But if you are saying, that means we are not growing in our Christian life. Our Christian walk is increasingly we are giving ourselves over to God. Increasingly. I'm not saying that, you know, I have given 100%. I'm not saying that. When I give 100%, I'll be in heaven. Okay? But it doesn't mean that I have to sit quiet. I actively start giving myself more and more and more to God. And there, when I give more and more myself to God, I understand how much God loves me. I never doubt in the goodness of God. I may have cancer. I may have failure. I may be disappointed. You know, but I will not doubt in the goodness of God because Jesus climbed that tree in my place. Hallelujah. You know, that's why we should always remember to trust the Lord in all situations. Today, whatever may be your situation, whatever may be your situation, what you need to learn is to trust in the goodness of God because, you know, Jesus did not leave us with the tree of life, you know, in the Garden of Eden. You know what happened in the Garden of Eden after they ate from that fruit? You know, you know the story what happened? They were not allowed to get back to the Garden of Eden. The angels were placed. And it is Jesus who walks in between the sword. And he gives his life so that we can go back to the Garden of Eden once again. That's what Jesus has done for you and me. This morning, if you are thinking about yourself, think more about the cross, what Jesus has done for you and me.